Fantastic. My name's Chris. I'm the lead pastor here. We're so glad that you're here today. Before we get started in diving into week three of Address the Mess, just want to simply say this. Today, we just, we just don't want this to be a, a one-sided conversation. Uh, we want to actually literally create a two-sided conversation where you can interact today as well. So uh, my number is going to be on the screen if you would like to be able to answer some questions about today's message or if you need a prayer request. Make sure you do that during the service um, because we are in interested in you and uh, and what God is doing in your life. So uh, thank you so much for being here today. We are on week three of Address the Mess, and we talked about in week one that before you and I, we start becoming critical of other people or we're judging other people, we need to take a long look in the mirror and we need to simply say this, I know a mess when I see one because I am one. Can you say that with me? I know a mess when I see one because I am one. Uh, all of us, we've been a mess. Uh, whether that's been a, a mess in our, when it comes to our finances, whether that's been a mess we messed up physically or with our health, whether it's academically and we had a 4.0, but now we have like a 0.8. Uh, maybe we messed up in a relationship. For some of you, you may be, uh, you may have messed up a marriage or you may have messed up a second marriage. Um, you may uh, be uh, parenting messed up children, anyone? Uh, you may be a messed up parent, me, uh, parenting messed up children. All of us, we're just messy. And one of the things when somebody confronts us, hey, how come you're not doing this? Usually our response is this. Well, you know what? Nobody's perfect. We've all said that. Well, you know what? Mom, I'm not perfect. Dad, my wife, I'm not perfect, whatever that is. But when we talked about the first week is when we say nobody's perfect, we're actually saying a much bigger statement than just, hey, I should get a pass. What we're saying is that there is a perfect that no one is. That there is a perfect that nobody is. That there is a perfect, there is a standard outside of myself that I did not create, that I am accountable to, and that I consistently fall short of. So whenever we recognize a mess, we learned in week one, whenever the fact that you can actually recognize your mess, that you're just baby steps away from recognizing God. Because Christians believe that the thing that allows us to recognize that there's something we fall short of, that there is this whisper, there is this voice, that our conscience is the actual fingerprint of God, that there is actually a standard. That there is, it's not just all relative. That there is a standard outside of us that you and I are accountable. Now today, as we move along in this discussion of Address the Mess, we're going to be looking at another thing that Christians believe. Another thing that Christ followers believe. In fact, if you grew up in church, uh, you're going to kind of know some of these songs we grew up in because here's what Christians believe. Christians believe that Jesus loves the little messes, all the little messes of the what? World. In fact, we got that from a song that you may have grown up singing that Jesus loves the what? Little children, all the little children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are all precious in his sight. Um, or red, yellow, purple, and green, the weirdest kids you've ever seen. Um, but here's the fact. We believe that all of us, we are all messes, and that Jesus loves all of the messes. In fact, we looked at this verse last week. It is the most popular verse found in the Bible, and it's John 3.16. For God so loved the world, for God so loved the messy world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, and whoever in the Greek, I did some work on it, whoever just means whoever. Whoever, anyone who would believe in him, will not perish but have everlasting life. 
that Jesus loves all the messes, all the little messes of the world, but, and there is a but, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Christians believe he loves us too much to leave us that way. That yes, Jesus is accepting of everyone. In fact, this is one of our core values here at OneChurch.tv. It's the messy core value, and it's on the screen behind me. It simply says this, that it's okay to come messy. It is okay to come messy. If you're not a church person, if you're not a Jesus person, if religion isn't your thing, and you're kind of a hot mess today, the one thing I want you to hear me say is that you are welcome. This is your church, and this is the church for you, and God is the God for you, and Jesus loves you just the way you are. But if you're a Christ follower, and that's who I'm really talking about today, I'm going to get up in your grill. Because there's so many of us, we before we knew Jesus, we were a hot mess. And you were saying four-letter words, and you were sleeping with everybody, and you were doing everything you could think of. And you showed up to church, and people loved you, they accepted you. It's there at church that you met Jesus, that you realize that there is a God who loves you, who sent his one and only son. And guess what? You're still a mess. Those are the people I want to talk today. Because it is okay to come messy. It is not okay. Everybody say not okay. It is not okay for you to stay messy. Yes, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Here at One Church, we accept everyone because Jesus accepts everyone. But once Jesus comes into your life, you just can't keep being the same messy person you have before you ever met Jesus. Because when, let me tell you, when Jesus shows up in your life, it is impossible for you to stay the same. Did you know that? When Jesus shows up in your life, he is a game changer. Because growing people change. Everyone is accepted, but everyone is expected to change because growing people change. Yes, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Now, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a church person, if you're a hot mess, again, I just want you to hear me say, Romans 5, 8, it says this, and while we were yet sinners, when we were at our worst, God was at our best, that Jesus died for us. You are welcome here. It is okay to come messy, but it's not okay to stay that way. That's our big idea today. Can we say this together? It's okay to come messy, but it's not okay to stay that way. I mean, the Christian experience is not about avoiding another mess. It's about becoming something. Isn't it true that if you're a church person, if you're not a church person, what's some of your biggest gripes and the biggest reasons why you've not gone to church for years is because of messy Christians? Now, you didn't call them messy Christians. You said it this way. I'm not going to go to church because the church is full of what? There you go. Hypocrites. It's just another label that just means they showed up messy, they met Jesus, and they stayed messy. And again, the problem with so many churches with so many churches, with so many body of believers, is simply this, that we meet Jesus and our language doesn't change. We meet Jesus and we still are jacked up when it comes to how we deal with our money. We meet Jesus and we still look at the same dumb things over and over again on the computer. It's like uh, the wisest man who ever said, "As as a dog returns to its vomit... So a fool repeats his folly. 
And yet, we as Christ followers, yes, it's okay to come messy, but when we become Christ followers, we need to change. The church is for messy people. The problem is when people start coming to church, they know Jesus, and they stay messy that way. And I would say, simply say this, as we dig into this, God's Word today. The problem with most Christians in, in the Christian life is we think that the Christian life is about a series of messes and then getting forgiveness. Sin and forgiveness. That we sin on Monday and we come to church on Sunday to get what? Forgiveness, right? And then we got our forgiveness. We got it all, you know, we got it all up to here. And now we can just go empty it out and we can sin. And we can go out and we can party and we can drink like it's 1999, whatever that means, right? And, and then we come back to church and we're like, oh, and, and we, and it's, I mean, what is that? And I'm going to simply say this, the whole sinning, forgiving, sinning, forgiving, God, I messed up and God, I'm, you know, you're showing up and you forgive me. That's not Christianity. You know what that is? That's country music, right? How many of y'all, you're country music fans? Let me hear you. All right, there was only like two people in the nine o'clock crowd, um, and let me—I like some country music. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not—I'm going to be hating on some, but there's some that I like. I like me some Blake Shelton. All right, don't judge me. I just—I like some Blake. All right, so, but let, I'm going to just give you a couple of lyrics to some some country songs because in so many country songs they, they you sin you drink you go out and you do all this and then you you know and then you get forgiveness it's like ha huh. and then like who, whoever wrote it whoever you know put out the album they're good until the next album came out and you hear that they messed up again and they come back and and it's like Jesus please take the there you go. All right. So here, here's a, Eric, this is a Eric Church live like Jesus does. I'm a long gone Wayland song on vinyl. I'm a back road sinner at all. Anybody know? There you go. Preach it, brother. All right? She believes in me like she believes in her. There you go. And she loves me like Jesus does. There it is, right? Or what about Miranda Lambert? Because I heard Jesus, he drank wine, and I bet we'd get along just fine. He could calm a storm and heal the blind, and I bet he'd understand a heart like mine. You see, that's country music. But that's not Christianity. Christianity isn't about messing up, messing up, messing up, and getting forgiveness over and over and over. This is not like a bad version of a Groundhog Day. If you're a Christian, if you're a Bible person, I understand some of you have bought into this perversion of Christianity, but it's not Christianity. And if you are not a Jesus and Bible person, this just kind of disgusts you. And here's the reason why. It's because you act just like your Christian friends. You go and you're hanging out on Friday night, you're hanging out on Saturday night, but the only difference, two differences between you and them, is what they do, your Christian friends do an hour on Sunday morning, and that they feel guilty about it and you don't. And you just kind of want to kind of tell them, hey, just give it up. Why Why the guilt? I mean, if you're going to do the same thing that I'm doing, but yet you say you believe differently? No. Christianity isn't just about, uh, you know, like sinning and forgiving and sinning and forgiving. And so many of us, we treat God like he's a forgetful old man. That if we just utter the three magic words, God, please forgive, that he just magically, it just pops and he doesn't remember it anymore. Can I ask you a question? Do you think God knows the Bible? Okay, do you think God knows that David actually committed adultery with Bathsheba? Do you think he knows that? You see, I would say, yes, he does. 
But yet, as a, as a Christ follower, as a Christian, we just say God just forgets it all. Now, I know where that comes from. There's a verse in Psalms, he removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. It, but it's not that God's a forgetful old man. He chooses not to bring it up anymore. It's not that he forgets. And if you've just dumbed down Christianity, where Christianity is just stay out of trouble, I can tell you, your Christian life is going to be boring. And some of you, I'm really talking about this in week five, you're just kind of going through the motions, and, and if I can be, stay squeaky clean for long enough, and after a while it just gets boring because God is not wanting something from you. He's wanting to do something in you. He's not want to keep you from stuff. He's want to do something in you. So that's what I want to talk about a little bit today. Now, we're going to be in the book of Philippians. And it's kind of interesting because the book of Philippians is not really even a book. 2,000 years ago, this guy by the name of Apostle Paul, he actually did know Jesus, came to know Jesus, and he started creating churches for everyone. And he would start a church and he would leave and then he would go to another town and start a church and leave and go to another town. And did you know that it was the Apostle Paul who started the very first church in Europe, in Greece, a church in the town of Philippi. Philippi. So he started this church in Philippi, and then he went on. And 10 years later, as he's still starting all of these other churches, he writes a letter back to the church of Philippi to encourage them. And what's so interesting is, I mean, nobody got back. I mean, it was not like planes, trains, and automobiles where you can just kind of go and just jump on board and get there overnight. No, people didn't travel that way. So they didn't know when they were going to see Paul again. So they kind of copied these letters. And these letters became the book of Philippians that we're going to be reading at from today. And it simply says this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. And by the way, Paul, when he writes this, He's not on some beach somewhere. By the way, that's a Blake Shelton song. Let me tell you where he's at. He is in jail, getting ready to die because he loves Jesus. That's how much he loves Jesus. And he says this in verse 3. Paul, talking to the church that he started 10 years prior, he says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. Now, he hasn't seen them again in about a decade. So when he, he's stopping, he's like, I just, man, I miss those people. And all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Why? Because of your partnership in the gospel from this day until now. Now, this is just a setup of what he's going to get to. But before I can go any farther, I just simply want to say this. As I was kind of studying and reading uh, the scripture this week, I, I, I just want to say, as, as a pastor, I thank God when I remember you guys. You know, 10 years ago when we started OneChurch.tv for people, we wanted to create a church for people uh, who really weren't into church. And we wanted to create a church, yes, for, for Christ followers as well. But we just, man, we just didn't want to make it difficult for people who were turning to God. In fact, that's kind of one of our core values as well. It's behind the screen. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says, let's not make it difficult for people who are turning to God. And for some of you, you grew up in church and you know all the stories, you know all the songs, you knew Jesus loves me when I talked about it just a few minutes ago. Others of you, you don't have a clue. And that's okay. That's not in your background. That's not in your history. That's not in your past. But when you show up at church, we want to we want to put everything we can so that you can understand what God's Word has to say for you and so that you can do something about it. 
So I tell you, I love that. So if you're here and you've been with us for a while, I just simply want to say thank you. And if this is your second or third time and you're looking for a church, I'm telling you, we are getting ready to baptize 12 people today. Does that not just freak you out? It does me, right? There are so many churches that, man, they, they never baptize anyone. Man, this is new life. This is what God calls us to do. So I'm just so stoked about that. So if you're looking, man, we'd love to have you a part of the family. All right, get back on my notes. So here's the thing. You are surrounded by a group of people here at OneChurch.tv, whether your kids are in their kids' environments right now, or maybe you have a student who shows up on Wednesday nights at our youth, you are surrounded by a group of people who said, you know what, I'm not going to dumb Christianity down, but I'm not going to just reduce it to behavior modification. Because it is not just about doing right. Because if it's about doing right, it's all about you. Let me tell you, what it's even more, it's about a relationship. And that's what we have people all over this building in this movie theater today who are speaking into the lives of your kids because they know Jesus loves them. Now, Paul gives us a thing that we're going to talk about. And as it says in verse 6, from this first day until now, being confident. What does it mean to be confident? In other words, Paul is saying, this is sure enough going to happen. Right? This is going to have, I am confident that he, who's the he here? He is God. That he who began a good work in you. Now we need to talk about that word began. Will you say began? All right. This is, what beginning is God has done something with you and in you. He began doing something in you. Now when we're in a mess, here's what we want. God fix it. Fix it. And God said, no, follow me. God, fix it. Jesus says, follow me. You see, fix it is now following Jesus is a process. And what God wants to do, what God wants to do in you, and what Paul is confident God is going to do in these Christians in Philippi is that God was going to change them, that he was going to grow them. And guess what? Growth takes time because the end game for a Christian is maturity. And guess what? You cannot rush maturity. So you can cram for an exam, right? How many of you ever cram for an exam? Tell the truth, shame the devil, right? Really, some of y'all lying. And you're thinking, I'm not at a church. Yes, you are. It's just meeting in a sticky, smelly, wonderful, like, fantastic popcorn movie theater, right? So, so here's the thing. All of us, you can cram for an exam. You can cram for a presentation. You cannot cram maturity. Maturity takes time. It is growth Over time, it's the law of the harvest. You plant the seed and then you wait. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is, I'm absolutely confident that he who began something in you, and I love that next, in you, it's happening in you, in you. Now, this is huge. Did you know that Christianity is an inside-out type of faith? I'm going to talk about in week five of this. But so many times as Christ followers, we, we want to go outside in. We want you to stop smoking, stop doing this, stop, 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 stop. And then once you stop and you look good like us, then you can become a part of our secret club. No. Let me tell you, if you don't have Jesus inside of you, you're never going to stop. You cannot stop. So you, you can come messy. Please do. But know this, when Jesus takes a hold of your life, 
you're going to change. God works inside of us to bring something out of us. God wants to do something in us that he will eventually, it's going to come out of you. Christianity, again, like I said, is not behavior modification. Christianity is not be good. Christianity isn't just stay out of trouble. The essence of the Christian life is God renewing our hearts and renewing our minds. And that happens through God's word. It's not stop this and then start doing this, allowing God to work inside of you. And no, it's completing what he's... So some of you, you just need to chill out. If Christianity is, I need to stop, I need to start, I need to stop, I need to start, you just need to relax. Because Paul would say, look, God is going to complete it, what he has begun to do inside of you. Here's what you need to do. You need to not just chill back and just twiddle your thumbs. What you need to do is learn to do is participate in what your Heavenly Father is doing with you and get into God's Word because He has begun something. He said this a little bit later in Philippians, that you are to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's saying this, you can only work out what God's already worked in. It doesn't mean you work for, no, no, no. He's already put everything inside of you. You just need to work it out. So this is what he says in verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. When it's going to be completed? Until the day of Christ Jesus. Which means (laughs) this is a lifelong process. Isn't it? As long as you are following Jesus, as long as you're a Christian, he is going to continue to work inside of you. Let me say it a different way. And repeat after me if you would. If I ain't dead, some of y'all, I think y'all dead. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you alive? All right, one more time. If I ain't dead, then God's not done. Now, here's what's important about this. I am giving you a, 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 th- a great big theological word without saying it, but I'm going to say it and then explain it. This is called sanctification. Sanctification. Well, what does it mean to, to be sanctified? or san- It just means to be holy. To be holy. Now, the church that I grew up in, I grew up in church, and you know, like it says, like be holy for I am holy. God's saying that. And but at sixteen, how many of us really want to be holy, right? Because when we think of holy, this is what we think of. It's usually this. You ever seen Jesus do that on the pictures? Like, hey, where'd he go? Right? Or or maybe it's this Jesus. So some of y'all, y'all think I'm being sacrilegious. I'm not. Hang on. All right. Some of you, you saw this Jesus where he puts his fingers together. Right? What can you do doing this? Nothing. You can pray. But some of y'all, y'all biggest problem is y'all pray too much and you need to start doing some stuff with your prayers. Oh, I'm going to start preaching this morning. I believe it. what it says in Exodus. My wife and I were talking about this yesterday. Moses is at the Red Sea. He is praying. And God said, what are you doing? Get up, stop your praying, and lead these people. Some of y'all, you've been at church all your life, and let me tell you what you got. You've, you know so much. You got spiritual constipation, right? You all stove up, all right? And the reason why you're stove up is because you know so much, but you've done so little with it. Y'all ain't with me this morning. I am preaching up here, and y'all are going, I think, oh, whatever. And you know what I'm saying? Let me tell you. Let me tell you, God is wanting to do something in you. God is not trying to keep you from something. He is trying to complete something in you. 
He has worked his salvation in you. Now, so this sanctification, this whole be holy, when I was 16, when I heard it, I'm like, be holy. Who wants to be holy at 16? 26. Who wants to be holy at 26? I turned 46 in like four or five days. Now, I know some of you are all thinking, man, you are looking really good. Yes, Lord. Now, some of you, you're like, you got some work to do. And, and hey, y'all aren't my people. All right? Here's what I know. Even at 46, when I hear the word be holy, I'm like, that doesn't sound that fun. I mean, if I said, hey, you need to be holy, well, what does that really mean? What does it mean to be sanctified? So let me give you another definition. Sanctification is simply this. It is becoming more like Jesus every day. It's not about getting dirty. It's becoming more like Jesus every day. It's like this. When you put your fingers together, and that's our posture of holiness. One of the things I learned this past week, you know who also does this? Surgeons. When a surgeon is scrubbing up, and after they've scrubbed up, and they're getting ready to go into surgery, in order not to touch anything unclean, they put their fingers together like this. Now, this is a great posture of not wanting to get dirty. It's an awful posture of holiness. And how do I know that? Because our Jesus, he didn't do this when he was on this earth. He touched the lepers. He outstretched his arm, and he was able to literally put spit in the mud and put mud on people's eyes, and he got dirty with people. And it's not that he became sinful. No, no, no. He was sinless, but he was not afraid of our mess. He entered into our mess, and what's so cool, our mess didn't make him dirty. His holiness, his sanctification, his, I mean, his goodness, it got transferred to us. And I'm telling you, that's what all of us need. What we feel like, you know, we got to do this and not get involved in people's messes. And if you have reduced Christianity to, to just stay out of trouble, I'm telling you, you're living a boring Christian life. I'll tell you, God wants to mature you and he wants to secure you. This is important. This is what, it re- what we read in verse 9. It says this. He goes on to say, and this is my prayer. He's summing all of this up, and he's saying, hey, listen, I hadn't seen you guys in 10 years. But here my prayer is, this is what I want for you. This is what I want the beginning part of he who began a good work in you is going to complete it. And he is going to give us a snapshot, a picture of what he wants to do. This is Paul's prayer. Let's put it up there. And this is my prayer, that you stay out of trouble and keep your hands to yourself. Now, by the way, that's not in the Bible. Now, your mama told you that, right? So, uh, and keep your hands to well, That's another country song, I think, going in my head. Anyway, stay on target. Squirrel. Um, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. That's how we pray, and that's what we want for our kids, right? Listen, stay out of trouble. Keep your hands to yourself. Now, let me ask you a question. What are some of the prayers that you pray for you? Honestly, what are some of the prayers that you pray for you? You pray prayers like this. God... Lord, can I get a raise this month, God? Um, when I can I pass my algebra two exam, God? Uh, when I go to work, I don't want, let me not see him. Let me not see her. Uh, we pray prayers like, "Help me get to work on time. Help me pass this test. Help me get. The, let, let me get more stripes on my chest. Let me get the promotion." And hear me, if that's all the things that we're praying, these pretty shallow prayers, it's no wonder the reason why our Christian life is pretty shallow. It's no wonder the Christian life is so flatlined because we pray little prayers and we expect little results. Paul's prayer, we ain't got to it yet, but I'm getting ready to show it to you. Paul's prayer is so big. 
And it's so much broader than just being a better rule keeper. He prays that we become and grow in a deeper relationship. This is what it says. And this is my prayer. That your what? That your love may abound more and more in knowledge, in depth, and insight. Now, isn't that when I ask you, what prayers do you pray? Isn't that what you were thinking? Oh, I pray that, that my love would grow more than more, right? How many of y'all have ever, nobody, see, nobody's raising their hands, like nobody, like never, right? Now, we pray for people to love us, right? I pray that she would love me more and she would respect me and that he would do, no, but that's not what he's saying. Paul is saying, my prayer is that your love, your love of God would grow. That your love for other people would grow. He says, I I want it to go deep. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth and insight. He's He's praying that you and I would become better lovers, not better rule keepers. That's a big difference. Because for most of you, Christianity is just keeping a set of rules. And it's like, I got three boys. And yes, I want my kids to follow the rules. I don't want them to get in trouble. But in the, the day, they can follow the rules, they can not get in trouble, and still hate their daddy. You know what I want for my kids? I want us to have a growing relationship. Do you know what your Heavenly Father wants for you? Not for you just to be a better rule keeper, but for you to have a growing relationship. Not to be a better behavior but to be a better lover of him and a lover of other people. So our big idea, it is okay to come messy. It's okay. If, if, if you hear nothing else, if you're not a church person, you, we are your people. We are. We're not going to judge you. We're not going to point fingers. If it, and, and we don't expect you to be perfect overnight. Guess what? Because we're not perfect. None of us in here are perfect. In fact, if you're perfect, we're jack- we are jacking up your swagger right now. You need to go to another church because this church is led by a group of staff and elders who are some really jacked up people. And that's okay because God is growing us. It's a process. It's called maturity. And if you want to be a part of something like that, if you want to continue to grow in your knowledge and depth and insight of God's love, then let me tell you, we are your people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. God, I'm so grateful for Paul, a guy who wrote literally two-thirds of the New Testament, a guy who could have said, you know what, I wrote this stuff. I got it all together. That even Paul... He said, I am the greatest of sinners. The things I want to do, I don't want to do. And the things I do, I don't do. And I'm just, who's going to rescue me? Who rescues us is Jesus. So for those people who are here today, they need to begin this relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that they would be able to do that now. Lord, for those Christ followers who are in the room, who they came messy, and they are still messy. God, I pray that this message would encourage them to take their next step. For some of them, it may be that they need to finally get baptized, that they finally go public with their faith. Lord, I pray that you would give them the confidence to do that. Lord, for others of them who've been baptized, they they know Jesus, 
but they're just not consistent in their walk. Lord, those missing puzzle pieces may be that they're just not in community. They've not surrounded themselves with a group of people who can spur them on to be consistent, who can hold them accountable. Lord, I pray that today they would take a next step and they would come see me or Pastor Carlo or anyone else and say, I need to get in community. Lord, for others, Lord, their next step may be that they just need to get off the sidelines and stop church shopping and start serving because the Christian life is not about us. Lord, you said it this way in Mark 10, 45, that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. Lord, I pray that we would live out our motto that save people, serve people. Lord, that we are the church and we don't exist for ourselves, but we exist for the world and to make your name big in this world. Whatever our next step is, God, I pray that we would take it and that you would allow us to grow in this inside-out faith. For it's in Jesus' great big name that